Warning, the following podcast probably contains dirty words and graphic descriptions of ass-kicking action. Welcome to the Adkins Diet Podcast, the only podcast devoted to watching every movie featuring renowned martial artist and actor Scott Adkins. And as always, I'm joined by my wonderful wife, Whitney. Hey, y'all. This week we watched The Tournament, an independent action film from Britain that was released in 2009. Although it started shooting in 2007, and apparently the budget ran out twice during production, leading to a long time before the movie was actually released. It was the first film from British director Scott Mann, who had previously made a few short films, and in the years since its release, he has only directed one other major movie, the forgettable 2015 movie Heist with Robert De Niro. The film is about a tournament of assassins in which 30 of the world's deadliest killers are brought together for to fight for a prize of 10 million dollars they all have tracking devices implanted and are dropped in a town or city somewhere where the influential people behind the tournament use their money and influence to stop any kind of public reaction or emergency calls or anything else that would interrupt the tournament and then use their power afterwards to cover it up and make it look like terrorist incidents or other easy explanations that the public will accept. The movie opens at the end of the previous tournament in Brazil in a slaughterhouse covered in blood and fire as we see Ving Rhames being hunted by one of the other remaining assassins. In the end, Ving Rhames gets the drop on him and blows his head apart with one of those uh, industrial cattle guns, which was pretty awesome and a good sign of things to come. He then kills the only other remaining person who says he was glad that Ving Rhames was the one to do it. Of course, Ving Rhames is well-known, appearing in many, many films, uh, some of my favorites including Pulp Fiction, Con Air and the highly underrated Bringing Out the Dead. So already this movie has more star power than a lot of movies we have watched for the podcast. The tournament takes place every seven years, so we cut to seven years later in the small town of Middlesbrough in the UK, and we see Kelly Hu's character, who is drugged and the tracker device forcibly implanted. Kelly Hu, you might know from playing Lady Deathstrike in the second X-Men movie and having one of the best fight scenes in the series with Wolverine. Uh, She also appeared in The Scorpion King, and I have not really seen her in anything since that. 
We're also introduced to Robert Carlyle, an alcoholic priest who wakes up in a bar, vomits on the bartender's shoes, and gets kicked out. And it seems like this is not an unusual series of events for him. Carlyle, of course, famous for playing the psychopathic Begbie in Train Spotting, and also appearing in The Full Monty and 28 Weeks Later, among many other movies, bringing some more acting class to this movie. As the tournament begins, we are introduced to Liam Cunningham, who plays Davos on Game of Thrones, who is watching over the events of the tournament with a big room full of people who are betting on it, and they're taking advantage of England's massive CCTV system of surveillance to watch everything going on in the tournament. Now, one of my only questions about this movie, the $10 million prize for the assassins, okay, that seems a little low for a tournament to the death, but then again, you're not going to make $10 million on a single job, so that kind of makes sense. But they also say that the minimum bet is $100,000, which just seems like a little low for the amount of time and money that you would have to spend to put together a tournament that's going to result in lots of death and property destruction that you have to cover up afterwards. But whatever, we'll go with it. Uh, we also find out that this time around, the tournament has decided to impose a 24-hour time limit and that the trackers that have been implanted in everybody are also bombs, of course. So they might get exploded if even if they survive till the end of the tournament. He gives a little presentation about some of the favored fighters in the tournament, which is when we're introduced to Scott Adkins as Yuri Petrov, a Russian Special Forces fighter. Fun fact, this is the second time he's played a Russian named Yuri. Of course, Yuri Boyka in the Undisputed movies. Boyka! 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 And this movie was actually started filming just a year after Undisputed 2 came out. So apparently somebody involved in this movie had a lack of imagination and was like, hey, let's get that guy from Undisputed and we'll make him Russian again and we'll name him Yuri again. But we're just glad that he's in the movie. So as the tournament commences, uh, Kelly Hu is attacked in her apartment by a very unpleasant individual who tells her that he is going to violate her body after he kills her, so that's a great intro to that character. Of course, she quickly turns the table on him, and the garrote that he has around her throat ends up being used to slice off a bunch of his fingers, which was pretty sweet, and she ends up killing the shit out of him. Uh, we then cut to one of the other members of the tournament, who is a Frenchman, played by Sebastian Foucan, who is one of the originators of parkour, or free running, and who many people will know from Casino Royale, in which he played the bomber who Daniel Craig chased down in a crazy sequence on a high-rise construction building. Um, I wasn't a big fan of Casino Royale. I know a lot of other people really loved it, but that sequence was pretty awesome, so I was happy to see him pop up again. We see the Frenchman go into a diner and cut out the tracking device that has been implanted, and he then slips it into a pot of coffee. Robert Carlyle, our drunken priest, ends up drinking this coffee, 
And apparently the people in the tournament don't actually know who the other members are, although some of them recognize each other as famous assassins. But they're just using a little tracker device that looks pretty much as simple as the one in Aliens, so I don't know that it's a great way to identify individual people, but everybody starts following Robert Carlyle, thinking that his priest is involved in the tournament. So we see a guy in a car creeping on him, and a sniper on the rooftops, but the Frenchman uses this distraction to take out the sniper, who has just taken out the car creeper, and so Carlisle makes it through without even realizing what's going on. Kelly Hu's character follows her tracker to Robert Carlisle, who is going to pray in a church to hope that he can not be such a crappy alcoholic anymore and maybe find his way, at which point he notices the gun Kelly Hu is holding to his head and proceeds to break down and not fight back or anything, making her question whether or not he is actually an assassin like everyone else. But before she has time to really decide what to do with him, the door of the church explodes open, and then Scott Adkins comes flying in the window, cartwheeling and throwing grenades everywhere. Shit keeps exploding, and he throws a bunch of grenades, and they're shooting at each other, and then he gets into a hand-to-hand -hand fight with Kelly Who. It is pretty freaking awesome. He does a cartwheel into a spin kick, and kicks a bunch of shit and throws grenades and there's lots of punching and kicking and shooting and throwing overall a, a very satisfying fight scene there was this part where kelly who and scott atkins have each other's legs and they're like going back and forth spinning each other around onto the ground that's actually pretty awesome yeah that was fun and it's a good thing this fight was so awesome because Kelly Hu then pulls the pin from one of the grenades on Scott Adkins' ammo belt, and he explodes. And that's the end of Scott Adkins. Official time of death, 30 minutes into the movie. Now, last time that happened in Rekill, we were really upset because the movie was not very good, and Scott Adkins' presence was the only reason that we were keeping watching it. Uh, so when he died an hour in, it was like, well, this movie's got nothing left to give us at this point. But this movie, I, I was upset that he died, but I felt like it was going to be worth watching the rest. Because Vin Rangs was the main character, and he had already proven that he was kicking some ass in this movie. And I was just waiting for him to pop back up and kill some more folks. Although he's not necessarily... I would say that the main characters are Kelly Hu and Robert Carlyle. I think he just has he's connected to their plot as we'll get into later kelly who is super exciting to watch in this movie she flips around she shoots people she stabs people which is always fun and i really felt like she was a driving force in the movie but i was still like so when vince rings coming back i really want to watch when rings and kelly who is very pretty which does not hurt. yes she is a gorgeous woman which is why I'm surprised she's not in more stuff. Um, you'd think that, you know, well, I guess she she is Asian, and unfortunately in Hollywood, even if you are a gorgeous woman, they still might not be able to find anything to do with you if you're too ethnic, so maybe that explains why I haven't seen her in a huge amount of stuff. But 
like we said, it's for once we were not super disappointed when Scott Adkins died. It's a shame he's not going to be in the movie more, but we were invested enough that continuing watching did not feel like an obligation. And it was a really good fight scene. I'd say probably the best one that's in the movie. Um, just because he and Kelly who really go at it and I just loved his entrance I love that the door explodes but then he cartwheels in through the church window chucking grenades that was just a kick-ass way for him to enter even if it is also his exit from the movie at this point we're introduced to one of the other participants in the tournament played by Ian Summerholder of uh, the Vampire Diaries and Lost uh, he plays a psychopathic cowboy in a white leather trench coat, and we're introduced to him cutting the finger off of somebody he just killed, and then he randomly murders a dog, completely unnecessarily, just to, I guess, show that he is a creepy psycho. Uh, for those of you sensitive to such things, he kills him off frame, but then you do see the dog's body afterwards, so I'm sure for some people that's already a breaking point on the movie. But we'll describe the rest of it to you in, ca or in case you don't watch it. So at this point, Who has told Carlisle what's going on, and Kelly Who calls the guy in charge of the tournament to explain what's happened and asks to try and get some kind of out for Carlisle since he's not supposed to have the tracker but Big Boss Man is not having it and decides for a bit of fun to add the priest to the tournament's roster and gives him 500 to 1 odds because he's taken odds on everybody for betting purposes of course he is not getting out just because he's not supposed to be there so who tries to get him to vomit up the tracker and while they're in an alley trying to do this a police car pulls up Carlisle still has not really gotten the gist of what's going on, so he thinks this is a good thing and goes to talk to the cop, who is, of course, a member, a participant in the tournament, and they only survive because Parkour Guy snipes him. And Kelly Who shows up and kicks Parkour Guy's ass. And then we have a fun moment where they are trying to escape in the police car as Parkour Guy is chasing after them. And in one of my favorite moments in the movie, after he's been parkouring through alleys and stuff that they're driving through, and he leaps over oncoming cars crashing in an intersection to continue chasing them, he ends up on the ground, and Kelly Hu goes to run him over with the police car, and in an improbable but super awesome moment, he puts his legs up and catches his feet on the bumper of the oncoming car, so it's just pushing him along the ground on his back, and he's shooting at the car as it goes. So that was a really cool moment. Uh, eventually, they get away from him, and at this point, we cut away to the strip club where the techs watching the tournament report that I think uh, nine or ten of the people involved are converging, but they haven't started fighting yet because I guess that, like we said, those proximity sensors don't really do a good job of letting, letting you know who is who. So Psycho Cowboy is in the strip club. Oh, and by the way, this is the rare strip club in a movie made since the 80s that actually has nudity. Um, it's not super enjoyable nudity or anything. It, it's pretty accurate strip club nudity, but... I thought it was nice that they actually did that since it seems even R-rated movies don't have naked strip clubs anymore for some reason. So he sees a guy coming in with a gun, starts a shootout, 
everybody starts shooting each other in the strip club. Uh, Psycho Cowboy, once again, completely unnecessarily murders three strippers during the shootout. And everybody's killing each other. Eventually, Ving Rhames shows up and Psycho Cowboy manages to get the drop on him and knock him out. Ving Rhames wakes up and the cowboy proceeds to taunt and torture him a little bit. Uh, Rames assumed that Psycho Cowboy is the one who killed his wife. Oh yeah, that's why Ving Rames is back for the tournament. I don't know, they establish it at, at some point earlier that after he won the previous tournament he got married, but then a couple of months ago his pregnant wife was attacked and killed, and the guy who runs the tournament calls him and was like, Hey bro, sorry your wife got deaded. Um, I know who did it, and they're participating in the tournament, so you should come do the tournament again, and you can get revenge. Which, spoiler alert for the most obvious spoiler ever, Ving Rhames is too dumb to figure out that the guy who runs the tournament had his wife killed so that he would participate in the tournament again. And they tell him somebody else killed him, and then... That guy is like, oh, wait, it wasn't me before Vin Rains no, kills him. he didn't know. He just assumes it was Psycho Cowboy guy because Psycho no, Cowboy remember, loves killing. No, there somebody else he killed in a garage beforehand. Yeah, but he didn't think that guy was the killer. That guy was a pussy. That, that was not even a shootout. He just walked up on that dude and used the old, like, leave your shoes under a car so people think you're standing behind it trick like this was a Looney Tunes cartoon. Oh, I thought he thought that guy killed him. No, he just knows it's somebody in the tournament. But he thought it was Psycho Cowboy Guy because, you know, Psycho Cowboy Guy obviously just loves murdering the shit out of people. So he assumes that somebody was sent to kill him and he wasn't there, so his wife got killed. And that sounds like Psycho Cowboy's M.O., unnecessary yeah. murder. So he's talking to Psycho Cowboy guy while he's all tied up and being tortured. And Psycho Cowboy laughs at him and tells him that it wasn't him that did the killing. It was actually Kelly Who's character. Uh, he chops off Ving Rhames' finger while he's smoking a cigar. And in a fun moment, he comes back into frame pretending to puff on Ving Rhames' finger like it's a cigar, which was kind of fun. Um, not really down with his unnecessary dog and stripper murdering, but I'm a sucker for a good physical comedy gag in a torture sequence. <laughs> uh, Ving Rhames manages to get the rope loose on the stripper pole he's on and takes a swig of liquor as his last drink, but then he blows the liquor out onto the lighter that Psycho Cowboy's lighting his cigar with, sending him up in flames, and then he kicks the liquor bottle into Psycho Cowboy, exploding him into flames. But of course, Psycho Cowboy has to get away to be a psycho some more later, so he escapes behind the bar, and Ving Rhames escapes, missing a finger and pretty beat to shit, but still going like the Terminator. Kelly Hu has taken Robert Carlyle as far away from the town as possible to try and make the tracker signal weaker and survive through the tournament, so they end up in a gas station in the middle of nowhere. At this point, uh, apparently Psycho Cowboy is feeling a little better after being set on fire because he shows up all burnt to shit and proceeds to have a fight with Kelly Hu who ends up throwing him through the gas station door and getting the drop on him. And she's about to shoot him when Robert Carlyle comes in and begs her not to do it, because even though he's a drunk, shitty priest, he's still a man of God, and he doesn't want anybody to get murdered. And Kelly Hu 
we'll find out why later on, is beginning to question herself a little, so she doesn't do it. The people watching the tournament are not happy with this at all, so they decide to teach them a lesson and trigger the explosive device in Psycho Cowboy. And I thought it was just going to be like a little gut spurt or something, but his entire like head and torso just explodes. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, there's guts all over the convenience store guy who works there, and the walls and the floor and the ceiling. It's pretty neat. Yeah, this movie has very meaty explosions. I really appreciated that. It was not a... There was some occasional CGI blood spurts, but for the most part, this was lots of real practical effects with blood squirting everywhere, and every time somebody gets exploded or, like, the head explosion at the beginning, it's just like they blew up a sack of meat. It's pretty great. Chunks and blood flying everywhere. So who and... Carlisle are sitting in the bathroom as Carlisle's trying to crap out the tracking chip and he's like hey this is like a confessional isn't it Um, so that guy said that you killed someone's wife and he's coming for you now what's up with that and after a while he gets Kelly Hu to share and she says how usually when you go to kill someone you see something in their eyes that deep down they knew it was coming but she went to kill Ving Rhames' wife, not knowing who it was, just being assigned it as a job, and she didn't see that look in her eye, but she still killed her, and she felt really bad about it and regretted it, and she says she saw that same look in Robert Carlyle's eye in the church, and that was why she didn't kill him, because he didn't know what was happening and didn't see it coming. And she says that's why she needs to win the tournament, so that she can use the $10 million to disappear and not live this life of crime anymore. Or so she can die because she thinks she deserves it. So it's a little bit of wanting to run away from your life, a little bit of just hoping somebody kills you because you think you deserve it. Which I think that is really her whole purpose, is trying to get somebody to kill her. Because she totally, like, puts herself at death's door several times in the movie trying to protect the priest. Well, that's because that gives her a purpose. I think if she just wanted to die, she could have killed herself or let herself get killed earlier in the tournament, but she's still too much of a fighter to not want to go down fighting. She just thinks if she does end up getting killed that she deserves it, so no biggie. So at this point, the few remaining people in the tournament, uh, we had a little montage earlier as time passed while... Kelly Hu and Carlisle were escaping and Psycho Cowboy was escaping and recovering where we saw like half the people in the tournament who never got named or got scenes get killed in a brief montage. So at this point it's down to Kelly Hu, Robert Carlisle, Parkour Guy, who somehow has been keeping up with them on foot most of this time because whenever we see him he's like hiding on a like uh overpass yeah on an overpass or something like that i i guess maybe he took a car at some point but we've literally seen him do nothing but run over rooftops and hang out on overpasses but he's getting close and carlisle and the uh kelly who are at the gas station and ving rames is coming up on him in a tanker truck that he stole from somebody who died at the strip club and one other guy who we've not seen before is coming up with a rpg on a scooter and everybody starts to converge at once 
RPG guy is about to blow up the whole gas station when he gets hit by a double-decker bus and explodes into meaty chunks, as everything does in this movie. The rocket goes astray and destroys the car that Kelly Hu and Carlisle were driving, so they hop in the bus because Ving Rhames is coming at him in a fucking tanker truck, so he's not the Terminator anymore, now he's a T-1000, and he's gunning for him. So they get into a big car chase with a double-decker bus and the tanker truck, which sounds like it wouldn't be that fun because they're two big slow-moving vehicles, um, but surprisingly for a low-budget movie, lots of real cars get flipped and crashed and crushed, so the truck is just barreling through cars and sending them flying everywhere. And after several minutes of this, rather enjoyable several minutes of this, the French parkour guy jumps onto the bus once they go under the overpass that he's been waiting on <laughs> and immediately starts firing on um, Kelly Who. Yeah, he runs along the top of the bus and they're firing at each other. And that's pretty awesome because he flips over the edge of the bus and kicks through the window and kicks into Kelly Who. And they're having a, a fight back and forth on the top of the double or on the second level of the double decker bus while Carlisle is driving the bus badly and trying not to get run off the road by Ving Rhames smashing into him with the tanker truck. While Ving Rhames is still shooting at them, by the way. <laughs> yeah, he's still shooting at him too from the tanker truck. And who and uh, the Frenchman are beating the shit out of each other back and forth. She ends up knocked on to the lower level and manages to grab her gun again. And they proceed to run along the two different layers of the bus shooting at each other again. And once again... At one point, Wu ends up on the outside of the bus. Between the bus and the tanker that Ven Rangs is driving. And she manages to swing herself back into the open doors before Vin Rang smashes into the side of the bus. Yeah, I forgot that was how she got to the lower level on the bus and got her gun that she dropped back. So after she and the Frenchman are running parallel on the different floors of the bus shooting at each other, he once again dives out of the second floor window of the bus and comes flipping through the first window with both guns pointed at Kelly Who and they have a Mexican standoff but they're both out of ammo so Robert Carlyle slams on the brakes and Kelly Who goes flying across the bus but the Frenchman gets turned into a pancake by Ving Rhames truck smashing into them from behind so now it's just down to Who, Carlyle, and Ving Rhames and Unfortunately, the chemical truck sustains some gunshots in the uh, fight, and during the crash, it totally explodes. So if you're an idiot, you assume Ving Rhames is dead, but the movie's still got a couple minutes left, so obviously he's not. But Carlisle and Who limp away, and he helps take her to a church. He had, oh, before they left the bus, Carlisle vomited up his tracker, so he's safe now, but... Kelly Hu is like, why are you still helping me? You could just get away. And he says, you didn't abandon me, so why would I abandon you? And she curls a finger around his finger and they have a moment. And at this point, it really drives home the fact that Wu is trying to kill herself because she knows that time is running out and that her tracker will explode if she doesn't kill Vin Rains. But 
she doesn't try to find him. She doesn't do anything. She's wounded, so she's just like, I'm going to die now. But they go into the church, and she asks Carlisle to pray with her, and they do. And then, of course, Ving Rhames comes in, all ready to murder the shit out of her, and is beating her up and asking why she did it, and she doesn't want to say anything. And Carlisle is begging him not to kill her and saying, your wife wouldn't want that, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, I feel like you can't know how a murdered person feels about somebody revenging them. Yeah, maybe in her life she didn't believe in murder and wanted him to retire from being an assassin, but then she got murdered, so maybe she would be okay with it. But that's not what dissuades him. It's when he finally gets Kelly Hu to ask who put him up to it, and she says, you know who did it, because it's super obvious. And you see that moment of realization on Ving Rhames' face, and he stops yelling at Kelly Hu and drooling and spitting everywhere as he's doing in the last scene. Just and sweat driven off him, spit driven off him, a little bit of blood, everything. It's real gross. It's awesome. And we see him put his knife into Kelly Hu, but due to the position and the fact that we don't see her die, we assume that he probably just disabled the tracker. So everyone thinks that Kelly Hu is dead because the church is one of the few places without a CCTV in it, so they weren't able to see what was happening. And a limo comes to pick up Ving Rhames, and he gets taken to the room where everybody's watching to pick up his giant pile of money for winning. And I gotta say... If uh kind of dumb, bring the murderer to the room full of people who have been betting on him getting murdered. Yeah, this is a little different than like it's not like you were rich guys at a football game and you had like booth seats and after the game one of the athletes comes up to meet you cuz you're so rich that you can make that happen. I would get that, but not when your athlete is the world's deadliest assassin and he just murdered a bunch of people like i wouldn't want to be there when he came to pick up his money uh but he's all bloody and stumbling and he's yelling at the big boss man saying why'd you do it why'd you do it and he's like i don't know what you're talking about just take your money and be happy and he's like well i'm the one dying but you're the one sweating, so explain that. And he crawls up all bloody onto the table full of money and crawls towards the boss man. And then the boss man is dumb and is like, well, you're done, don't worry. You're either going to die or take your money and be happy. And he turns around and Ving Rhames grabs him and shoves the tracker that he took out of Kelly Who into the boss's throat and because the tracker is activated by your body heat it turns back on with only seconds left and both of them explode in big meaty chunks we then cut to a church where carlisle has cleaned up and he's now delivering a sermon to his people about the chaos and trouble that his town has encountered since it was all blamed on terrorist attacks and traffic accidents and stuff. And Kelly Hu, looking very pretty in a dress and a big floppy church hat, is sitting out watching him and she disappears in the middle of his sermon and he looks on and it's a happy ending. Yay! So I thought this movie was pretty awesome. It was pretty sweet. It was super violent. 
the a lot of the action was well done. Um, it was all pretty it clearly shot. It did seem shot. like somebody choreographed the fights really well. Like even just the shooting back and forth was done in a way that was, you know, it was pretty. Yeah, that's what happens when you have somebody who actually, like, cares about the movie they're making. And obviously, Scott Mann cared about this movie if he kept going for two years after running out of money. Oh, and by the way, apparently the end budget was uh, four million pounds. So somewhere between six and eight million dollars. The movie looks really good for a movie that was under ten million dollars. Well, that's because they had all that practical stuff in there. Well, yeah, but nobody does practical stuff anymore, and it costs money and time and stunt performers, so it's cheaper to just CGI it. Usually for a movie under $10 million, they're just going to throw in some shitty CGI car flips and explosions, so I was really happy to see that bus and truck just smashing into cars and flipping them back and forth. Uh, lots of, like, actual muzzle flash, not CG muzzle flash. Lots of squibs and stuff exploding all over the place. Just very satisfying. The the effects in the fights had impact, and that's not something that you and can always count on. <laughs> yeah, lots of guts and, and meaty chunks would be my... Uh, summary of this movie would be lots of meaty chunks flying everywhere but yeah I've, i thought it was pretty awesome it keeps the pace up very well um i've seen some comparisons it came out somewhere in the same couple of years around uh crank and shoot 'em up and some people you know said it was kind of like a low budget version of those and that it's almost non-stop action throughout the movie and i could see that it's obviously on a a lower budget and scope but it definitely kept the action going consistently throughout the movie um, I was not surprised to find out that the film was conceived by two guys while they were at university because this very much feels like the movie that two guys in a dorm room would come up with team of assassins all sent to kill each other and corrupt rich people can pay for it so the world doesn't notice and you have a stock alcoholic priest character at the center of it to be the everyman so in some ways that does feel like a film class 101 person at work but it's really the execution that matters and the execution was very good because um, it, it had that great cast and it had a director who cared about shooting excellent action sequences so i would say it really uh it it was a very excellent satisfying low budget action movie and if you like a good violent non-stop action flick it is definitely worth watching yeah i was totally up my alley i am not about plot heavy movies i just want the action to go ahead and get started and this movie delivered that on all fronts yeah, according to my uh, nutrition facts, we'll go ahead and get into those. The first action sequence came two minutes into the movie because after a little bit of narration and general footage about the tournament, it cuts to that bloody flame-soaked slaughterhouse and Ving Rhames immediately gets in a fight with and kills that dude with the cattle gun, um, which was probably the best death in the movie other than adkins getting blown up by his own grenade because uh, it was it was really cool um for kills 
There were 37 kills in the movie, including one unnecessary dog murder and three unnecessary stripper murders. So pretty high body count. Not as high as in some of the movies we've watched, but most of the deaths were a lot more gory or had more impact or screen time. So it didn't feel like the body count was low at all. It definitely, you felt most of those 37 deaths. Uh, one knockout in the movie when Psycho Cowboy knocks out Ving Rhames so he can torture him and toy with him a little bit. Now, here's the sad thing. Adkins kills zero. Adkins knockouts zero. He pops up and gets killed immediately. So even though he has one of the best action scenes in the movie, I really, really dug his entrance and his fight with Kelly Hu. He does not get any kills on the board in this movie at all. Um, and obviously there's no training montage in this movie. His character is barely in it. And a training montage wouldn't really fit in this non-stop tournament of death. For best move, um, he didn't have the time to do a lot. But I did like when he did that little cartwheel into the flying spin kick. I like the move that him and Wu did together where she he catches her leg and then she catches his leg and they like sort of flip each other about yeah they're doing all the grappling and flipping around that yeah. was that was pretty cool that was my favorite yeah um so and and let's add an extra uh, we as we said adkins death 30 minutes into the movie um so since there was so little adkins action we'll go ahead and add a bonus um favorite kill overall in the movie I would have to go with that like industrial size cattle gun to the head just because we it was it's the opening of the movie so we didn't really know what to expect and seeing him like this is not the no country for old men like portable air gun this is like a giant fucking cannon looking thing that's hanging from the ceiling and the second he put up that up to the dude's head and blew him into meaty chunks I was like okay I think this movie is going to be pretty cool. <laughs> I don't know. I really enjoyed that kill, but I like the one at the end more with the big boss and Min Rangs getting exploded because it was just much more meaty. <laughs> I also really like the uh, the guy with the RPG and the little scooter when he gets hit by that bus. That was pretty <laughs> unexpected. Yeah, that was hilarious. <laughs> he gets splattered. That was fun. So for the Abskins report. Okay, so for the Abskins report, I'm going to go a little bit different on this because there was no like sweaty hot Scott Atkins in this at all so that's a zero but however who was the star of who? this who was the star of this movie and who was really fucking hot she got dirty and bloody and sweaty and I don't know if lots of guys are into it but as a girl I'm into it when girls get dirty and sweaty and hot so I'd give it at least a four on the Kelly Who scale. On the Kelly Who scale. Because <laughs> you did not get a hot shower scene of her, like even her wet butt. Yeah, but. I was really mad about that. It opens with her in the shower and it's like there's nothing. 
Like, not even some side boob or some, like, silhouette through the shower door. She's no, just in the nothing. shower. there was nothing. The door's all covered up, and then she's out of the shower and completely covered. I was very disappointed because she's a very attractive lady. I will say, I do think she was looking pretty hot in her sweaty, bloody tank top. Uh, she did have visible nipple dot a good amount of the time, so that was enjoyable. Um... What did you think of Scott Adkins' big fake scar? Were you enjoying that? I was enjoying Scott Adkins' big fake scar. <laughs> only because it was so hilarious. It was so obviously fake that it was it made him more attractive. It was like, oh, this is hilarious. You're cute and funny. Yeah, almost everybody in this movie has a fake scar added. I guess that's like, well, how do you make it so we think all these people are hitmen and assassins? Oh, yeah, Just because when Wu goes, or who goes to find out whether the priest is an assassin or not, she lifts his shirt and is like, there's no scar. Well, yeah, but she was looking for the tracker scar. I mean, oh. everybody has a scar on their face. I thought she was just like, oh, killers have scars. I didn't know she... <laughs> you ding-dong. There's check- no scar for the tracker. <laughs> I feel dumb now. <laughs> she was checking the exact spot where we saw them put the tracker into her that we saw the parkour guy cut it out of himself. <laughs> no, I was talking about the fact that all the killers in the movie have, like, a random scar somewhere on their face, like Ving Rhames has one they put that big old scar across scott adkins face i think a couple other guys do too uh but yeah so the the kelly who rating for this movie is is a solid four out of ten no gratuitous nudity that we would have enjoyed but still very attractive and kick-ass throughout the movie uh for recommendations I noticed as I was looking through other movies that the cast have done, now a lot of them are pretty obvious. Um, I've With Ving Rhames, Con Air. If you've not seen Con Air, it is one of the best dumb 90s action movies with a murderer's row of character actors. So I don't even think that's necessary to recommend. Um, I did notice that a bunch of these people are in underrated or underseen horror movies. So I'm going with an all-horror movie series of recommendations. First of all, Robert Carlyle is in a awesome movie called Ravenous that uh, came out sometime around 2000. was very, very underrated. It is a horror, western, cannibal, black comedy set out on the uh, frontier, snowy frontier in the 1800s in America. And Guy Pierce stars as a soldier who's sent to a shitty outpost in the middle of nowhere. And Robert Carlyle shows up claiming that the band of people he was traveling with had died and been forced to resort to cannibalism and proceeds to lead the soldiers out there. And it becomes pretty obvious that he's the cannibal. And this is like the first act of the movie, so I'm not going to go beyond that because one of the most fun parts is the way it twists and turns throughout. But if you like a violent, dark comedy and don't mind a little cannibalism, then definitely check out Ravenous. Uh, Liam Cunningham, who most people know from Game of Thrones, has been in a couple indie horror movies I really liked. The more well-known one is probably Dog Soldiers, uh, about a team of soldiers in the UK who end up dealing with werewolves, and it was by Neil Marshall before he went on to make the much more famous The Descent. 
and uh, now he's working on making the next Hellboy movie, so I'm pretty excited about that. Also, he was in a more recent movie called Let Us Pray that I happened upon on Netflix, and I watched it because it had Pollyanna McIntosh from The Woman, and it turned out to be a pretty awesome movie in its own right. Uh, Liam Cunningham is a mysterious hobo who gets pulled into a empty police station in the middle of the night, and shit starts to get weird between him and the few other cops and prisoners who are there, and it just gets twistier and crazier and crazier and ends up being like a Outer Limits episode on crack except more violent and gory and that was just another really fun horror movie not as much a black comedy as Ravenous but it's still pretty funny at times and I just appreciated the escalating craziness until you get to the point where a guy armed with a shotgun who coated himself in barbed wire is trying to set fire to the police station and the progression to get there is pretty entertaining so i will recommend all three of those horror movies as always i want to thank my brother cj for designing our awesome logo check out his work at cjc.design on instagram and I want to thank my brother from another mother, Cousin Pete, for our awesome theme song, He's Out of Control. Check out his page on SoundCloud or on Facebook, C-U-Z-Z-I-N Pete and Razormouth Productions with a Z on Productions. And also, if you enjoyed the show or you have any feedback, send us an email at the Adkins Diet Podcast at yahoo.com.